Well, we're week two of our series. So uh, for just a moment, and this is not intended for anyone to feel bad this morning, so uh, don't worry about it, but let's see those Bibles. How many of you guys have your Bible with you this morning? So, yeah, yeah, good. See, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I think that came from my office, didn't it? <laughs> no. Oh, it's, it's yours. Okay, okay, okay. All right, that's... So, okay. True story, though. Um, I was on my way to my ordination service when I was uh, ordained as a minister in this denomination. And I'm on the road, and uh, I'm picking up Rich, Amy's husband, who just ran up here. And uh, I called, and I said, hey, Rich, I forgot my Bible. Can I? And so Amy let me borrow her Bible. So, yes, that Bible right there. So, good, good. So, thank you, Amy, for reminding us all. So, well, we're going to be continuing this series. We're doing it all year. It's 31 weeks of the year. We're going to be focusing on this, on this uh, series called The Story, where we really get into God's Word, and we just uh, get an idea of how the story flows from the beginning all the way through. So if you came in this morning and you happen to not get the sermon notes, uh, go ahead and slip up your hand. I've got, uh, I've got Richard's gone this weekend. I've got some substitutes. They're filling in the, back here. So... Uh, so if they do a great job, we'll fire Richard, but if they do bad, Richard will be back next week. So we win either way. So, but get those, and, uh, and we're going to work through those. And as we've, we've done, we want to encourage you to bring your own Bible with you along. The opportunity to take notes in the Scripture, to scribble all over it. I mean, there's still, in some of my Bibles, there's still messages I heard all the way back to high school that have these highlights and these lines and stuff, and there's something that brings back the teaching of God when we do that. So let's jump right into it. You ready to go now? All right. Uh, The question to start off is, have you ever made a plan in life for your career or for your marriage or for your family, something like that, that didn't quite go to plan? (laughs) Anything like that? Has that ever happened? No, just me. Okay. All right, good. Good. I'm I'm hearing some little fidgety movement. So what'd you do? That's the question. What'd you do when that happened? Did you quit and give up? Did you tell yourself, no, I got to try harder now? Or did you just already go to a plan B that you already kind of had in your back pocket? What did God do when the plan that he had didn't quite work out the way he had planned? You see, God created the world, right? He created man. He put uh, uh, put man in his own image. He put Adam and Eve in the garden. And he did that so that he might have this life with them. He had this desire to, to commune with them, to live with them and to converse with them. But Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God when they were in the garden. And we find that their descendants disobeyed God and chose their own desires rather than God's desires as well. And God said eventually, look, I've had it. I've had it. I'm done with this. I'm going to wipe them all out. Except for a righteous man named Noah and his family, we find there was a flood and all of them were destroyed. Everyone was destroyed except for Noah and his family. God's kind of saying, I'm going to start all over. But after a while... Several generations into it, even Noah's descendants disobeyed God and led their own ways. Didn't quite learn the lesson, uh, did they now? So God develops this plan B. His goal is the same. He wants to do life together with his creation. It's still God's goal today. You know, in fact, for many of us, we have, we've lost sight or we've forgotten or we just never quite understood in the first place. God's goal is not for us to follow a bunch of rules. God's goal is to have community with us 
to converse with us, to, it, that we're designed that way to be connected with him. And so that was his plan. Uh, his goal is the same, but he's going to do it differently now. And he decides he's going to de- establish a nation with a special group of people with common interests, all sold out for him, and this is what he desires to do. So how does God begin? Well, the question for us, if we were going to start a nation, <laughs> how would we begin? Uh, we would probably start with people. And we'd probably find a young, you know, really energetic couple, right? And we'd, uh, and we'd launch into them with their leadership abilities. Not God, right? God chooses a, an old couple. That's how he starts off. He finds this, this person named Abraham, 75 years old at the time, and Sarah, 65 years old at the time. And on top of that, to start a nation, they don't have any children. <laughs> now, you say, wait a second, God, um, if you're going to start a, a nation here, how do you start with somebody who doesn't have any children that seemingly is past their childbirth age? Doesn't make any sense, does it now? All throughout this series, as, you're, as we read the story and we work through the story of God's word, I want to remind you that there's going to be this lower story, this lower story of how we live life. You and I, and Abraham and Sarah as well. And then there's this upper story of how God's plan is trying to play out in his creation. And so often we see how God merges this upper and these lower stories. In fact, you could say it this way. The more those stories intersect, the more blessing we see in God's word. The more apart those are, the more struggle God's people has have. You see, um, if you hear about 75 and 65, right, and the lower story where we live, we would say, well, they're too old, right? I mean, they're past their prime, we might say, or, or this couple, they're infertile, right? They can't even have kids. Um, it's impossible. But for God, he is looking in his upper story, he's looking for people that have faith. God is always looking for people of faith, And that's what he finds here in Abraham. He finds somebody who will have faith in him, will follow him. When I came out of seminary, especially, I walked down, I got graduated, I walked away with that degree, and I remember thinking, I've done the education to be a minister. I remember feeling just all charged up, fired up. I'm ready to go, a man of faith. And it was kind of that height experience of faith. Now, no no struggles came with it. I was just walking away with a piece of paper at that time. But I can remember that type of feeling. Abraham is this type of person. That's what God finds in this man of faith. So this morning, I'd like us to look at uh, Abraham's faith journey. And there's this faith story. And I guess ask the questions, what steps did God take Abraham through that built into his faith? Oh, and by the way, he was building a nation at the same time. And so something he was doing for Abraham, he was also building this nation. Why is that significant? Because this morning, I believe that if God, if you'll allow God to build your faith the way God built Abraham's faith, I believe he's also building something greater that he wants to do with you and through you to continue the story. So let's look at it this morning. Uh, If you have your Bibles, uh, open up uh, to Genesis chapter 12 is where we'll get in just a few minutes. Abraham was willing to trust God by faith, even though we'll find he didn't even understand what God was calling him to at the beginning. You like that when somebody asks something of you and you don't really even know what they're asking, yet you feel like you need to say yes? That's what Abraham did here. That's what kind of faith. You see, faith stepping up and facing an impossible situation or challenge without fear. And that's what Abraham does and steps up into this. The Bible says everything is possible 
for a person who has faith. So where do we begin in this, uh, uh, in becoming a person of faith? Step one, if you're in Genesis, step one, it always begins with a dream. God always starts with a dream. Nothing happens until somebody dreams it up. And if you've, you've got an idea, a vision or a goal, God wants to use that idea, that vision, that dream, that goal. If he's going to work in your life, then he's going to give you some type of dream, some type of desire, some type of uh, just want to do something or to be something. God's putting that within you. In fact, in all the times that I sit and talk with people here at the church, I often say, well, where do you think God's leading you in life? And often I'm met with the response of a dream type of answer. The Lord has called me to do this. I really think he's doing this. Or I just think there's a niche need in this area, and I'd like to fulfill that need. It's a dream. If you have your Bibles, take a look. Chapter 12 of Genesis, starting in verse 1. Here's what it says. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Sounds pretty good if God said that to you, huh? Yeah. But see, Abraham's living at the time, he's living in Haran. And God is asking him to leave his town, which is kind of like present-day Iraq near Baghdad. He's asking him to leave that town and to now journey and go on to this place where he says, I will show you where I'm going to take you. Leave this era. And we find that he goes all the way through Syria, all the way down to what is, will become later Jerusalem. And that's where he ends up settling into. That's 775 miles that he has to travel here, to leave his family, to pack up, and to leave. On top of that, the whole idea of being nomadic and to move like that uh, wouldn't have been common uh, at the time for, for Abraham. But he does. He packs up, and he goes 775 miles. That would be kind of like us taking a trip over to St. Louis, all right? But doing it on foot or on camel. That's a pretty long trek. I mean, just walking down to the grocery store is not something we do, Right? I mean, can you imagine traveling 775 miles here? And he's doing this without a map or without a, a GPS. I mean, some of us, when we go to that grocery store, we need our GPS, right? Just to get there and back. Yeah. Leaving your homeland, leaving your family. He doesn't know if he'll ever see them again. But this is the dream that God has given him. If God gives you a dream to do something, guess what? It's going to require faith. It's going to require faith. It doesn't always make sense. I'm not sure it did to Abraham to move and to go this far. But you see, if you can do it on your own, then no faith is really required, right? I mean, why have faith if we can do it on our own? God calls us to something greater. George Mueller once said, faith begins where man's power ends. So God's dream for Abraham, right? He put him completely out of his comfort zone, and he had to decide, am I going to trust God and just go on faith or not? What am I going to do here? And that's right where we are in step two. You got to make a decision when it comes to this. See, there's lots of people in life that have great dreams, but it comes to a decision. You got to decide to do something with the dream, to do something, because nothing's going to happen until you wake up and you put your faith into action. True? I mean, nothing really happens. The trash never gets taken out in the house until somebody actually gets up and heads to the trash can to take it out, correct? Or, to be more honest, till I call up the stairs to TC. And, uh, and then it gets taken out, maybe. 
James, in the book of James, writes, You must believe and not doubt. A double-minded man is unstable in all he does. So uh, take your Bibles again in Genesis chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 4 now. It says, So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out for Haran, from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his, Lot, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they have accumulated, and set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. You see, by faith, Abraham obeyed. Even when he didn't know where he was going, Abraham set out in faith. Can I put that in perspective for you this morning? Uh, can you imagine somebody coming to you and saying, look, I got a job transfer for you. I'm going to have you move and go. What's the job? I can't write t- quite tell you right now what the job is. Okay, where are we going? I can't quite tell you that right now. Who gets to go with me? I can't quite tell you, but a couple folks. <laughs> Will I ever see anyone again? Will I, there will be a job transfer back? Uh, I can't quite tell you that as well. And you heading right to the house and packing up and being ready to move. It would be a little odd, wouldn't it? That's what's going on with Abram here, but he obeys. You see, we can't move forward in our faith and hold on to the past, is what's being said here. We have to make a decision, and we've got to move forward with our decisions instead of hanging on to the past. In fact, for many of us, we're often stifled in making decisions because of our past, because of what we look at behind us. But we've got to make a decision and move forward with faith. Here's a little story. A boy was afraid of the dark, right? And his mom came to him and said, hey, uh, I need you to go out to the porch and get the broom for me and bring it in. What well, was dark outside? Little boy said, I don't want to do that, mom. I'm afraid of the dark. She said, look, Jesus will be with you. You know, just go on out there and he'll take care of you if you're scared. And so the little boy, reluctantly, he walked out to the back porch. He opened the back uh, screen door and he peered his head out. And he said, Jesus, if you're out there, can you please hand me the broom? So, well, he didn't get all the way out, but uh, it's a start, right? I mean, he made a decision to at least open the door. So, and that's what we might have to do. Make a decision to at least step forward in the dream that God has for us. So he started that. That's a funny story. Remember, <laughs> this faith, it has, us, it has us to grow. It wants us to grow our faith. It never wants us to just stay the same and stay where we are. Abraham had to leave the comforts of, of home. Peter had to get out of the boat. Remember, the disciples, they had to leave the fishing nets and follow Jesus, leave their families as well. It causes us to make a decision to step forward. If you're going to build your faith... You've got to put your dream to the test and make a decision. I talk to people all the time that are sitting on a story where they say, well, I felt God was, once called me to do this or to be this, but it never went anywhere. And often it's traced back to not making a decision to step forward in faith for God to do that. And when that comes, when we make that step and we make a decision, well, this, the, the third thing comes in, and that's a delay often happens. You ever experience that? A delay happens. There's always this time lapse before your dream becomes a reality. And God uses this waiting period to teach us to trust him. Remember this phrase this morning, a delay is not God's denial. Delay is not God's denial. The greatest darkness always comes just before the light of dawn. God always does the right thing, even if it takes time. What about Abraham? Well, he faced a delay Remember, he picks up his family. They pack up everything they own. They move 775 miles from Baghdad all the way through Syria down to Jerusalem. 
That's where he is. And then he arrives there, and look at what happens in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. Take a look at that. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was so severe. I mean, you've got to be kidding me here. He packs up, moves, put down the tent, put down a new location, create a new home, now pick up the tent. We've got to move 300 more miles. That's a delay. No doubt he probably said, Lord, well, what's going on here? I stepped out in faith. I left my hometown. I took my family from where they knew was home. We finally arrived. We get settled all in. And then you say, sorry, you can't stay here. You need to pack up and move along again. You see, the waiting game of life or the waiting room of life, this delay in life, they often reveal what we really believe about God. Do you know that? If you think about the delays, it's a challenge to us, and it reveals to us what we really believe about God. The psalmist says this, Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Circle that word wait, if you would there. That's a word I wish was not in the Bible. (laughs) Are you with me? The word wait is a very hard word. It's easy for me to say it, you know. If my kids say, you know, can we go, can we go? I say, just wait, wait, wait. I don't like to hear it. I don't like to hear that word. Delay, though, is not God's denial. You see what happened here, right? Ten years had passed since God promised Abraham the dream. Ten years. You're going to be the father of a great nation. I mean, he's now 85, and she's 75. These are delays. Delays. Ten years that they're waiting. Maybe your situation right now is bad. Maybe in your, your prayers, you feel like your prayers are just not being answered. Maybe you're trusting God for years to change your spouse or to change your marriage. Maybe you've been trusting God for years to, to help and clean up your addicted child. And maybe even sometimes people don't even understand why you have that belief and why you're hanging on to that. All I want to say to you this morning, if you're in a delay, is you keep on believing and you keep on trusting God. Just hang in there and keep on because this delay is a gift to your faith. It's a faith builder. It's a a faith strengthener. And there will be a day when you stand and you turn in testimony to share with somebody how valuable that delay was in your life. Remember, just because you're facing a dilemma, it's not necessarily God saying that that he's saying no and that it can't happen. Here's the faith journey. It starts with a dream. Then you got to make a decision. You got to act on it. That often is met with a delay where you're, you're being kind of tested and you figure it out. And then I got more good news for you. <laughs> you're going to face difficulty. Did you, did you know that? Not only do you get to wait, but you get to experience problems while you wait. <laughs> That's exciting good news, is it not? So problems usually come in two forms. Circumstances are, are critics when you're, when you're waiting and when you're in your delay. And Abraham, he faced both of these. I mean, first he had circumstance. Um, God, ha- he had no son to fulfill God's promise. That's kind of a minor oversight, isn't it? The father of a great nation to have no son. The critic was his wife, Sarah. She got tired of waiting 25 years for God to provide what he had said he was going to provide. Check out Genesis. Now chip, uh, flip to chapter 16, if you would. Right at the beginning, it says this, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. You see here, Sarah, she is struggling in her faith, and she just decided to do her own thing here. 
I mean, she's struggling with the delay and waiting and the difficulty of what has not been given yet. So she begins to think, as we often do, that maybe she'll play the God role. Maybe she'll take over here and decide what'll get done. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? When we get into a delay or a situation we're waiting, a difficulty comes up, and we decide, well, maybe my plan is a little better, and we step in and we take control. I guess let's hang on a second. I mean, let's not be too critical to Sarah, right? I mean, she is waiting 25 years for God to answer a prayer. Uh, I've never waited 25 years uh, for, for anything, you know, never waited 25 years. I've asked God for prayers and waited, but never 25 years. And that's what's going on. You see, all of us face difficulties in, our, in this faith-growing process. And I want you to know that the difficulties in these struggles, these are a part of life. And it's even a part of God developing us and bringing us to this, this point he wants to bring us. So <clears throat> they bring us to this point. We're, we're going to trust God's plan is the question. Or are we going to just go ahead with our own plan? Now you might say, well, wait a second, Tom. Why do all these problems and difficulties come into our life in the first place? And I believe it's because God wants to build our character and he wants to build our faith. And this is the only way that it's going to happen. If things are only going great, if they're only going good, then we're not really challenged on what we believe and what we're made of now, are we? We have to face some difficulty. When times are tough, we really find out if our faith is real, is what really happens. Take a look at what um, Peter says in, in the Bible, First Peter chapter 1. For a while you will have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come that your faith of greater worth than gold may be proved genuine. To say it another way, our response to, our, to problems validates our faith. Our response, how we deal with the difficulties of life, it validates our faith. It strengthens our faith. How you and I respond to it validates our faith. Is our faith real? We find this out when we face difficulties. Some of you, you're walking through difficulties right now in your life. I mean, these circumstances that just won't seem to go away are these critics that won't seem to go away in your life. And the question is, is your faith real? Is your faith something you can lean on? Is your faith something that can strengthen you in the process here? You know, when people that don't go to church, they're looking at us. You know when they're looking at us? They're looking at us when we go through difficult times. When we're going through great times, they're wondering, how can I get some of that? But when we're going through difficult times, they're looking at us and they want to know if the stuff that we've been sharing with them is really the real deal. Is it really the real deal? And they're watching and they're looking to see how does this person deal with the difficulties of life? They're reading our Facebook posts. Did you know that? Be careful. You're a witness on there as well to your faith and to what God can do in your life. Sutter Kennedy once said, faith is not believing in spite of evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of of the consequences. Powerful little statement there. You see, finally, problems become so bad sometimes. Difficulties become worse, and we get to the point where it's, it's so bad, almost impossible, and that may be exactly where some of you are at today, and then you feel like you're right at step five, which is a dead end. You ever face that in life where you just feel like, that's it. Lord, there's no way out. Lord, there is no hope in this situation. We reach this dead end. And if you're here today, and you're at this stage, I want to say to you, um, congratulations, you're in good company. <laughs> you really are. Because as we read God's word and we read the story, you're going to find that some of the greatest heroes of the faith in the Bible hit this dead end in their faith journey. 
they hit this wall at some point where they knew not where to go. Do you remember the story of Elijah sitting, at, sitting and begging for God to take his life? Dead end. Dead end. Heroes of the faith even do that. Let's go back to Abraham and Sarah. It's been 24 years now of waiting since God said, I'm, I'm going to make you a great uh, nation. 24 years of waiting, hoping, and just searching for God. Then one day God sends his messenger, an angel comes, and he's talking with, with Abraham. And as he's talking here, he says, hey, you and your wife will have a son one year from today. One year. Now, Sarah, she's in the tent, and she can overhear, and she can hear this conversation. You know what she does? She laughs. That's what the scripture says. She laughs. And now you probably would too at this point. I mean, after all, her husband's 99 years old. 99. She's 89. You're going to be pregnant. You're going to have a kid. So, I mean, some of you right now, you might be 45 just thinking, you know, I can't imagine. And so she laughs. But listen, God always gets the last laugh. Here's what he says. Genesis chapter 18. Just flip a couple chapters. Here's what he says. Verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a great one to circle. That's a great one to memorize in your life right there. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Look, let me say to you, the next time you hit a dead end and you're wondering, can God really answer my prayers? You need to whip out Genesis 18, verse 14. And just recite it to yourself. If, is anything too hard for the Lord? Let me say it in a different way. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Don't allow these dead ends of your life to destroy your faith. Hang in there. Your spouse walks out and leaves you alone to provide for the family. You face a crisis and your friends don't come through for you. It happens, right? You lose your job and your house goes into foreclosure. Don't let these dead ends in your life destroy your faith because you could be right on the verge of where God wants to take you and to do something great in you. Because remember, nothing's impossible with God. Now, some of you are saying, whoa, you know, um, that's exactly where I'm at today. (laughs) I am at a dead end. In fact, I've been at a dead end for a while now, and I just can't figure out how to go forward or what the next step would be, and I've hit rock bottom. So what do you do when you hit rock bottom in your life? Well, you hang on and you wait for this stage six, which is you wait for deliverance. You call upon God for deliverance. The best way to respond to the dead end is to keep living by faith and expecting, that's a key word, expecting God's deliverance and God to work in your life. Sometimes those delays and the difficulties and the dead ends, when we jump in and we play God, well, guess what happens? We never get to see what God really wants to do in the situation. We never quite get to see what God wants to build out of us and how God wants to grow our faith. And so we jump in and we play God and we come through it and somehow we might manage ourselves out of it, but we're no stronger in our faith, sometimes weaker. And notice how God worked in your Bibles. We're flipping now to Genesis 21, starting in verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah when he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. Here's the key. At the very time God had promised him. You see, God delivered in the situation. God did exactly what he said he would do. God even works, I would assume, a supernatural situation here to, for her to have a kid. He did it for Abraham. He did it for Sarah, as we find in this verse. And church, I believe he'll do it for you as well. He really will. He will provide in this situation. 
But here's where we struggle as Christians. Sometimes we say, well, wait a second, Pastor. Why do I have to deal with the difficulties, the delays, the dead ends of life? Why can't I just go from a dream right into deliverance? <laughs> be nice. Be the way to do it. But I believe the only way for God to build our character and build our faith is for us to walk through these things. And I would love to tell you that all the greatest characters of the Bible, the one that followed God the closest, never dealt with any difficulty, but they did. You ever read the book of Job? You'll find tremendous difficulty put on somebody who all we know is that he was absolutely blameless. And yet he faced these things and he came through it with strength and faith because he held on to his faith the whole time that he walked through this situation. Our story, it takes a major turn then. Uh, Isaac, the child, is uh, born to Abraham and Sarah. He's now like a teenager, right? And he's going to go get, uh, or he's just gotten his uh, camel's driver's license, and that's about where he's at here. So, And all of a sudden, um, God says, Abraham, uh, I'm going to stretch your faith again. I'm going to stretch your faith. Turn to Genesis uh, chapter 22. We're going to start in verse 1 and read. This is kind of an incredible story of faith. Um, it's a pretty good challenge in and of itself, but when it fits into what we just read about Abraham and what they just went through for 25 years, it's hard to imagine. Here's what it says. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, here I am. Or he said, Abraham, excuse me, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there on a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on, <clears throat> excuse me, went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Smart kid. His dad had done devotions with him, right? He knew there had to be an offering provided. Where's the lamb for the offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. That's faith. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar and on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. And you say, wait a minute. I moved my family all the way to 775 miles, 300 more miles, 300 more miles back. I did all of that. I put up with delays, difficulties, even dead ends for years. And you didn't think I feared you then? God says, now I know that you fear God. Why? Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. God's in the delivering business. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. We talked, remember, about this lower story and this upper story that goes on. See how this connects. The lower story, Abraham's going to offer his son on this hill of Moriah. 
The upper story, 2,000 years later, is God offers his son, his only son, sacrificed on the hill of Jerusalem. This hill of Jerusalem, the hill of Moriah, same place. The stories connecting the lower stories and the upper story here is what we find in God's word, and it's how it penetrates our lives when we understand it. Why in the world did God take Abraham on this journey again? I think he wanted, I think he wanted to see if Abraham completely trusted him, completely trusted him. And you know what? I think the same is true for us today. The question is, are we willing to trust God when things don't make sense? They didn't make sense to Abraham for a long, long, long time, and they certainly didn't make sense when he asked him to sacrifice his own son. Are you willing to trust God when you don't even know what the future holds? Because ultimately, we really don't, do we? Are we willing to trust God? Because I'll tell you, if your spiritual journey is anything like mine, my life has sometimes been filled with some doubt and, and some confusion and concerns on what God is doing and where he's taking me. Sometimes it even seems like God's ways are a bit foolish or maybe God's ways are a bit out of date, you know, needs to get uh, uh, up in touch with what's going on today. And if I'm not careful, maybe like you, maybe like Sarah, I become impatient and I want to kind of take over and play God myself. And I want to run with it all alone. But you see, in the end, Abraham and Sarah, they passed the only test that really mattered. They passed the faith test. That's the one that really matters. See, as parents, uh, you know, if we're not careful, we, we want our kids to have really good EOG scores, right? I mean, great EOG scores. We panic about it for a couple days, right? The EOG, when they come home and they got it, I mean, we're just like, yes! Now, how do I put this on Facebook without sounding like I'm bragging? So, yeah. And then when they're finishing up school, we want them to have a great ACT, right? And an, an SAT. We want them to do really, really well on those tests. You know, probably we're thinking about our pocketbook as well, getting into college. But we want them to do really, really well on these tests, right? Maybe other tests that come along the way, the championship uh, game or, or whatever else. But the only test that God has any care about is our faith. It's our faith score. That's what God is really concerned with. How are we doing when we're, push, when we're pushed? How are we doing when we face delays, difficulties, dead end? And parents, we have the opportunity to build that into our kids with stories like we read this morning. It's what God is mostly concerned about. Are we the kind of people that God can trust completely? And because Abraham and Sarah, they trusted God, God was able to continue the story and build a great nation. The same is true for us. When you and I trust God more and more and more, guess what? God continues his story. Do you know how I know that? It's because some of you are sitting here this morning, right now, and you lived by faith, even through difficult times, and you had faith in God, and the person next to you, or the person, another person in this room, came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior because of your faith, because of looking at you and seeing you build in your faith, and they said, that's what I want for my life. And they surrendered their life to Jesus Christ as well. The story continues when we have this type of faith and we let God work into our lives. So here's what I want you to do this morning. Um, If you take your sermon notes and at the very end, you're going to see there's a question. It says, which stage are you at in the faith journey? Two things. I want, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to fill something in there. And then uh, in in a minute, I'm going to invite the the praise team to come up and and just to play through the chorus of the last song they sang. And during that song, I want to invite you to just have a time where you can... You can just go before the Lord on your own. You can do it at your seat. You can come up here. And then I want to close us in a prayer. And here's the direction of this prayer. Put on that 
line, what is the stage you're at in the faith journey? What is the thing, as you look back on the six things we talked about this morning, and you would say, I am right there. That pegs me and where I'm at in the faith journey this morning. Maybe you'd say, hey, I've got a dream from God, and I want to do a great thing with this dream. That would be what you put down. Or maybe you'd say, I know what God wants me to do, but I just, I got to make a decision. <laughs> I've been a little stifled. I got I to gotta get out. I got to get in the game, make a call on it. Or maybe you'd say, I've made a decision to follow God's heart, but um, he's not really answered that prayer. It's like delay after delay that I'm facing. Or you'd say, I have no idea, or you have no idea the difficulties I've been through once I started to trust God. (laughs) Common theme happens sometimes. Or maybe you'd say, look, I've hit a total dead end in all of this. Maybe in your marriage, you say, look, my spouse says I'm through, or maybe my boss says I don't have work for you anymore. I've just hit an absolute dead end in life. Or maybe some of you here today, you would say deliverance. I am totally, uh, 100% sure God answered my prayer in this area, has moved me forward uh, in this area. If one of those things...